Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. But the Lord has been speaking to me nonstop about this word, and I believe that it's going to challenge you, it's going to increase you, and it's going to um, push you towards the things of God, all right? So I would just ask that you would lean into this word and that, you know, if you could shout me down and preach with me. If you, if you resonate with something, don't, don't be shy. Jump in there and, you know, preach Canadian boys, say something like that or whatever it is. Um, but let's jump into the word of God. I'm in uh, the book of 2 Kings chapter 13 um, for the entirety of this conference, we've been discussing the topic and the subject of uh, what it means to be crazy and to be zealous for the Lord. And um, I believe that this is such an incredible theme that our pastor has chosen for us. And, you know, looking at the definition of what it means to be crazy is, is, is quite serious because it means that one is mentally deranged. That's one definition, that one is mentally deranged. But I do believe that we are not necessarily mentally deranged, but I do believe that when we bring the concept of craziness into our biblical context, it has to do a lot with faith. Because the truth is that people who don't have faith don't know how to walk with God. Because when you have faith, you're an individual who has to believe God at his word. And how many of you know that sometimes when God speaks, it surpasses all of our understanding and we don't know what to do with it because his understanding and his comprehension is greater than ours. And so to walk with God, we must, of course, have some level of craziness. But I would say it's more so of a spiritual craziness where when God begins to speak to Noah, for example, to say, Noah, I want you to build an ark for me when there is no rain outside. God would ask of Noah to just build an ark when there's no rain. I mean, could you imagine Noah's in some part of the Middle East and he's there and he's building a big ark and there hasn't been no rain because they're in a desert. And people are walking by Noah and they're saying, no, what, what on earth are you doing? He's like, yeah, I heard a word from God. I'm just being obedient to that word and I'm just going to be, you know, be obedient. And I'm going to walk in this thing because I have faith that God is going to do it. The Bible talks to us from Hebrews 11, which is the, the hall of faith and says that Noah was an individual that obtained faith because he was crazy enough to believe God. Tonight, I wish that there were some people who would be crazy enough to believe God for your next season, for your next breakthrough, for your next level of increase. Said Noah obtained an incredible level of faith and obtained and had that because he was crazy enough to believe God. What is there to say about even someone like Sarah, where Sarah was so old But God said that, Sarah, even though you're old, I want you to have crazy faith to believe that I will give you children. Could you believe that? She's like 90 plus years old. The Bible says that her husband was next to dead. He was so old that he might as well have been dead. But God still said to to Sarah that you you will still carry something in your womb. And I want to speak to some people here who are carrying visions and dreams inside you. Where the dream that you're carrying is so big that it even scares you when you go to bed at night. 
where sometimes what God has spoken for you to do, it's like, God, how can I do this? I don't have the resources. I don't know how. I don't have the connections. I don't have the relationships. I don't have what you're asking of me to do. But God says, would you still believe that the vision that I've placed on the inside of you will surely come to pass? For the Bible says that though it tarries, though it tarries, can I just minister to somebody real quick? Though it tarries, though your dream tarries, though the vision tarries, it will surely come to pass, which is what Habakkuk says. But the Bible is so, it's, it's so clear that there is a, st- a clear differentiation between people who walk in this crazy level of faith and those who necessarily don't. The Bible says that God is a God who is spirit. And so if God is spirit, he will speak to us in a level that is higher than our own understanding. But if we are going to be a people who go to where God is, we have to be able to leave what we know and step into the unknown. That takes a level of crazy faith. The Bible talks to us about Abraham. It says Abraham obtained an incredible level of faith. Why? Because he decided to leave what he knew and go into a land that was unknown to him. There's some people that God is going to ask you to leave what you know and step into a crazy dependency on him. For so long you've done things ordinarily, but God's saying tonight that I wish that you would trust me for your next move. I wish that you would trust me. I I wish that you would just completely and utterly be foolish before me and just trust me at my word. And that's why the Bible says that the kingdom of God belongs to those who act like children. Because children, if you tell them that, you know, six flags is theirs and that they'll own a six flags and that they'll own two six flags, what they'll do is they will believe you just at your word. No credit score check, no nothing. You don't need to have no money in your bank account. You said I'm going to have six flags. You said you're going to buy McDonald's for me. Not a happy meal, the whole thing. (laughs) But God says, I want you to trust me for this crazy level of faith. And now the other definition of crazy is to be extremely enthusiastic. There's some people here where God is saying that I've blessed you so much, but you have not been necessarily enthusiastic towards my blessings. God is looking tonight, even before we move, I just want to test the room if there's anybody who has that level of enthusiasm in this room where you're saying, God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for how you kept me yesterday. I want to, I want to thank you for how you kept me today. I want to thank you in advance for how you're going to keep me tomorrow. I got to be extremely enthusiastic and give you the crazy praise that you deserve. Some people didn't wake up last night, but you're standing here. Some people didn't wake up last year, but you're standing here. I'm going to be crazy, enthusiastic because you're good and your mercy, it endures forever. I'm crazy. Yes, I'm crazy. I I follow God. I'm crazy. Yes, I believe him at his word. I'm crazy. Yes, I'm glad to be in his house. I'm crazy. Yes, I believe that God is going to do what he said he would do. And so tonight I want to pump you with some faith that whatever God said to you, be crazy enough to believe him at his word. I can't get no help in this room. I can't get, I can't. 
You got to be crazy enough to believe God. If he said it, he will. If he said it, he will. He will do it. Touch your neighbor and say, he's about to do it. He's about to do it. He's about to do it. Please be seated. And so we have two working definitions of what crazy means. Please take me to 2 Kings chapter 13. I want to honor the man of God, uh, man of God Clifford. It's so good to see you. May God bless you and I honor you. Thank you for being a part. I, uh, I heard that your session today was incredible. May God bless you, sir. May God bless you. Uh, were you guys not blessed by his session today? God bless you. All right, let's jump quickly. We don't have much time. Second Kings chapter 13, verse 14 to 20. The Bible says here that Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elijah said to him, take a bow, watch me, and some arrows. So he took for himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha, the prophet, put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Can y'all say that with me? Say, strike the One more time. Say, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Then Elisha died and they buried him and the raiding bands from Moab and on and on and on. Um, and uh, the, the, the most important part for me in this text here is what we actually just exclaimed and said, strike the ground. And I want to speak to you, if you would, for the next few moments, a message I've titled specifically for this conference, titled, Strike the Ground. Can you just help me prophesy that over your neighbor and say, strike the ground. And I would give this a subtitle, I'd call it, I've got one more in me. I've got one more in me. How many of you know that there's one more inside of you? There's, there's, there's one more dream inside of you. There, there's one more vision inside of you. There, there, there's one more inside of you. The Bible talks to us from this perspective of a man of God whose name is Elisha. Now, Elisha was a prophet who began to walk with the prophet, the major prophet, should I say, Elijah. Now, if you remember, when Elijah was passing the torch to Elisha, the Bible says that Elijah was going up in a whirlwind. And as soon as he said so, the prophet Elisha, his 
junior prophet, his, his son, said the, the chariots and, and the horsemen. And, and right in that moment, that's when the cloak fell down and Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah. The Bible says from that moment, the anointing that was on the major prophet Elijah now rested on Elisha. We understand in that very moment, the power that Elijah carried was rested on Elisha. Anything that Elisha wanted to do, he had the spiritual backing of his mentor, his spiritual father, his senior prophet, Elijah. And the Bible says that Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion of his anointing, a double portion of his grace. And so Elisha, for all of his days, began to walk in this anointing. He began to walk in this grace. He began to walk in the spirit of his mentor, Elijah. Now, when Elisha was about to die, the Bible says that so many things took place, but one thing that highlights his death after doing tremendous miracles, after doing so many things, is when he is met with this politician named Joash, who is a king. And the Lord said, I should come to you and tell you this, that we should be individuals who are not afraid to strike the ground and ask God for more. At every stage of life that you're in, when you feel as though you've hit your climax, when you feel as though you've hit your peak, what God would say is that there's always another, there's always another level. There's always so much more that God wants to do in your life. If you see yourself at level two, God sees you at level 10. If you see yourself at level 10, God sees you at level 100. There's always so much more that God wants to do in your life. We understand that Elisha had so much power, and when I was preparing for this, the Lord would, would, would ask me to do a deep study as to how individuals can tap into the more. And God spoke to me from this CEO who was an author. He, 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 he said that uh, through Aubrey Marcus, and he, he spoke to him about a specific uh, a thought that he should bring into, you know, uh, uh, academic discussions. And this thought is that there's something that is titled, that is called a mental override. And a mental override from, from this CEO, who is also a health expert, um, called Aubrey uh, uh, Marcus, he says that a mental override is when you are at the breaking point in your life, when you are at the breaking point in your career, when you're at the breaking point in your mental state or even in your emotional state, there is another gear that you must push into which overrides your feelings and pushes you out of your feelings just so that you're able to get the job done. What it does is, is it overrides your, your natural feeling and you just push to that place where you need to be in order to get that job done. The mental override is the ability to overcome your thoughts and your urges to take control of your body and to also make difficult decisions. It's when you push yourself, even though you don't feel like it, even though you feel afraid, 
even though you feel scared, even though you feel like you don't have anything left to give, what the mental override does in this context is it allows you to push past where you think your ending is and to push past into the next, the next gear that you have, that you didn't know that you have. And so you have to push yourself into that state. And I just want to encourage somebody, and using that backdrop, and encourage somebody to let you know that if you feel as though there's nothing left inside of you to give, there is so much more that is on the inside of you because what is, on, what is on the inside of you is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God gives you the ability to do extremely and immeasurably more than anything that you can even think or imagine in your own self or understanding. What is on the inside of you is another push. What is on the inside of you is another dream is another career is another opportunity is another what is on the inside of you is another gear for you to push past the fears that you feel in your life right now sometimes you feel as though there's nothing left inside of me to give but I want you to know that there is one more there's one more fight that is on the inside of you the lie of the enemy is to cause you to think that there's nothing else left for you to give or for you to do. But we have a spiritual override that we also need to use where we tap in and say, you know what? If I have been blocked at a certain point for so long, what I need to do is I need to continue, continuously seek God because when I seek God, God will surely answer me. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29 that if I seek God, he will surely be found. Some of you have been blocked at certain points, but God says, if you continue to seek me, you will surely find me. Bible says to give God no rest until he establishes the dreams that you've dreamt, till he's established the vision that is on the inside of you. God says, give him no rest. And so we understand that if we haven't yet seen the breakthrough, there's another gear that you can also push to in order to achieve that level of breakthrough that is there for you in the atmosphere. The Bible says that you must have this level of craziness, this level of faith to follow God. Now, I want to give you a few keys of how, how Christians can begin to tap into this new gear of faith, into this new gear of craziness, into this next gear of what God has for you. Christians, firstly, they must obtain this level of comfort also when they're in discomfort. Christians have to be comfortable in discomfort. We understand from Hebrews 11 that it is impossible to please God without faith. But faith will always cause you to be uncomfortable. There will be certain things that God will ask you to do and you're saying, God, I don't know how to do it. But as Christians, as believers, we need to be comfortable in our discomfort. Christians, crazy faith Christians, should I say, I want you to write this down, always must have room for one more prayer. Can you touch your neighbor and say, pray again, pray again, say pray, pray again. Have room for one more prayer. I want to jump through this. And the Bible talks about from 1 Kings 18 that one day, prophet Elijah, who was a senior prophet, he began to pray 
And he was believing God that God would show himself so strong by coming and showering the entire land with rain. And the Bible says that this prophet, he went up to this mountain and he began to pray one time. And all he was looking for was that there would be a cloud that would form so that there would be rain that would come over the land. Because rain can't come unless the cloud forms. And so the prophet began to pray, and he, he prayed the first time. And he asked his assistant, listen, can you go check to see if there's a cloud that's forming? And the assistant would come back and say, no, no, there's no cloud. I'm so sorry, there's, there's no cloud. So Elijah would then go back and pray again the second time. And he would pray, and, and again, you know, there would be no cloud that would form. And then he would pray the third time, and the fourth time, and the fifth time. And there would still be no cloud that forms. I don't know, but you, I don't know how many times you prayed for a certain breakthrough or for a certain miracle, and you said, God, I'm following you into the deep. I'm following you into this level of faith, and I've prayed continuously, but I haven't yet seen what I've been praying for. I want to tell you as a prophet that you must pray again. Have one more prayer on the inside of you. And so the Bible says that he prayed six times and there was still no cloud. He applied six times to a job and they still denied him. He applied six times to a program to med school and he still got denied. And he, he, he applied Six times and he still got denied and he asked for a girl to go out with him many times and the girl still said she wasn't down to. You, you prayed for the guy to look your way and still the guy's not looking your way. And you pray the first time and the second time and the third time someone's getting their deliverance tonight and the fourth time and the you're praying and praying and praying prayed continuously and yet still nothing came but like the man of God the man of God the prophet the Bible says that he prayed again the seventh time if you want to be a crazy faith Christian you have to have the ability to pray another time if you haven't seen something pray another time pray again and 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 give God no rest again and again and again until he establishes you and give God no rest and we continue to pray again and again and again and the Bible says that the seventh time there was a cloud the size of a man's fist like this. It wasn't a big cloud. Josh, it wasn't a big miracle. It wasn't, it wasn't spectacular. But it was supernatural. God does not need to come in a spectacular way every time. Sometimes he'll just come in a still small voice. Am I talking to somebody in this room? You're, you're believing God to come down and speak in his big, deep voice and cause it to be thunder and rain and this and that. But God says, I just want to speak to you through a still, small voice. There's just a, a small cloud the size of a man's fist. And the Bible says that that same small cloud 
was the cloud that caused for other clouds to begin to form and the clouds became so dark and they came so heavy and became so thick and the Bible says that it began to rain and rain and pour all because a man of God decided to pray one more one more time I'll pray one more time. I'll fast one more time. I'll get, I'll, I'll get comfortable in this discomfort one more time. And he began to pray. Listen, every single crazy faith Christian must always have the capacity for more. Elisha the prophet one day was met with a situation that there was this widow who had a debt issue. And the Bible says that the widow came to the prophet and said, prophet, I need you to help me. I need a miracle. The debtors are coming. You know, the IRS is coming my way and I need to pay this. I need to pay my bills. Is the IRS in America? Yeah. I don't want to get to know them. I don't want to get to In Canada, it's called the CRA. The CRA. The debtors were coming. IRS was coming. And the prophet said, okay, well, what I want you to do is I want you to go and fetch jars from your friends and get so many jars, get jars from everywhere because I'm going to provide for you a way by which you can pay your debt. Go and get jars from your friends, your family, get as many jars as possible, as many jars as possible and take what you have, which is this little oil that you have in your house and as you begin to collect the jars and have the jars there, as you begin to pour the little oil that you have in each jar, the oil will never cease. And what you do with that oil, go and take those jars, go and take those jars of oil and go and sell them and make money from them. The Bible says that the lady collected as many jars as she possibly could. But there came to a certain point where the lady had no more jars for the oil to go into. And the Bible says that the oil began to cease from flowing because the lady did not have enough capacity for the more. As a crazy faith Christian, you must always have capacity for more. That's point number three. Have capacity for more. Listen, if God wants to, to pour into you, have capacity for more. Continuously empty out yourself before God and say, God, I'm ready for the more. I'm ready. I, I want more. God, give me more. I'm ready for the more. I, I want the more. The Bible says that as soon as her capacity was limited and capped, that's when the oil and the supernatural miracle ceased. How many things, how many miracles are seizing because you don't have the capacity for more? What has stopped flowing in your life because you don't have the capacity for more? God wants to make you a prophetess. He wants to make you an apostle. He wants to make you an evangelist. He wants to make you a pastor. He wants to make you a businessman, a businesswoman, an accountant, a medical doctor. But he's saying, do you have the capacity to carry the mandate that I'm trying to put on you? Do you have the capacity for more? Crazy faith Christians need to always have capacity for more. And so Elisha then tells this lady, go and pay all the debt. And so she did so. And then that's all, that's all she, that's all she had. Now, Elisha, after doing all these miracles, walking with this mighty man of God, the Bible tells us, as I conclude, that Elisha was on his deathbed. 
He was there. This mighty man of God was there on his deathbed. He was about to die having done all these miracles, healing the sick, causing oil to flow, causing this to happen, cleansing water, doing all these different types of miracles. But then this old prophet is on his deathbed and he's there and all of a sudden this king comes to the old prophet. I want you to pay attention now. This king comes to this old prophet who is sitting there on his deathbed. And as the prophet is about to die, the king says some specific words that are some key passcodes and some key words that are open up some things in his spirit. And he says, my father, the chariots and, and his horsemen. And so right in that moment, Elisha picks up his prophetic mantle and he begins to give prophetic directions to this king. And he says, king, right now I understand and I know that you are at war and you're at a battle and you're at a, a really, really strange and difficult position with these people called the Syrians. And the Syrians want to kill you and utterly destroy everything that you have. They want to possess and take over this entire country and all the people of Israel. But the prophet Elisha says, King, I want you to do this one direction. Go and grab for me some arrows and grab a bow and he says I want you to open up this east window and point it towards the Syrian country and the people of Syria and point it towards them and as you prophetically release this arrow as my hands are on your hands and you the window is open and you shoot this arrow into the direction of where Syria is I'm prophetically decreeing and declaring that every single battle that they're trying to 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 to, to bring you into every single difficult position that they're trying to bring you into we're obviously going ahead of them and we are prophetically decreeing and declaring that we have the victory over them the old prophet says this is a spiritual matter that we're doing. I know that our army is weak right now. I know that we don't have what it takes right now. But I want to speak and do this last miracle before I die. I want to release this arrow and prophetically decree and declare that we will win. The Bible says that the king does so and he releases it over this, 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 this country over the Syrian people, the arrow goes all the way over there. But then secondly, the Bible says, what I want you to also do is I want you to also take some arrows. And with these arrows, I want you to strike the ground right where you are. Because as you strike the ground, you are also prophetically declaring your victory over the Syrian people. As you strike the ground, what you're doing is you're creating space in the spirit and you're stating that this territory is yours and the enemy cannot deal with me unjustly or unrighteously because this territory is mine. I want you, king, to strike the ground. 
Some of you, you need to strike the ground to literally just mark a line in the spirit and say, devil, you've had too much fun in my life. But from this conference, from tonight, I'm marking my territory and I'm saying I'm done with you. You have no room over my life anymore because from today, I'm on the victorious side and the hand of God is upon me. So the king is there and he has his three arrows. The Bible says that the king strikes the ground one, two, three times. And then the Bible says that the king stopped. What is it that you've stopped doing? Because you might have felt that you are not qualified for. What is it that you've stopped doing because maybe there's some near success syndrome in your life where your vocabulary is I almost or I should have or I could have and you stopped right at the point of your breakthrough because maybe the enemy began to lie to you to tell you that you're not good enough. What is it that you have stopped doing because you felt like you weren't qualified enough? Why did you stop believing that God would do what he said he would do? Why did you stop? The Bible says that the king only struck three times. Could it be because he was lazy? Could it be because he was just trying to please a dying prophet? Let you know, okay, prophet, you said to strike it three times. I know you're about to die and go to heaven, but I'm just going to listen to you. I know, what, I know this thing looks stupid, but I'm going to strike the ground anyways three times just to make you happy so you can die happy. Yeah, I'll just do this thing. Just, you know, I'll just strike it. But to the king's surprise, the Bible says that the prophet who had this ability to persevere in every single aspect and area of his life from since he stepped into the prophetic calling the Bible says that this prophet was angry in his spirit because the king stopped at his point of breakthrough tonight this weekend for the rest of your life dare I say don't stop at the point of your breakthrough There's always one more. The Bible says that the king said, you should have struck five or six times. Could it be that the king could never perceive or think of him always having victory over the people of Syria? So maybe he just wanted to, you know, strike it three times and, and just stop. But the Bible says that the king said, I-, I wish you would have struck it five or six times. That way you would have had complete dominion over the people of Syria. But you stopped. You stopped halfway in your destiny. What would have happened if Jesus only half died for us? What would happen if Jesus, if the, if the Holy Spirit only half came? <laughs> What, ha- what would happen if, if God only made half of the world? God doesn't want you to stop halfway. 
halfway to your breakthrough, halfway in your career, halfway when you feel like you're at your, your end. God says, no, I want you to be crazy. I want you to be obedient. I want you to have faith to believe that you got to strike the ground four, five, six, seven. Because when you feel that you're over, when you feel that you're done, when you feel like you can't go no more, you got to tell yourself on the inside that I don't care how I feel. I got to go by what God is telling me. And God's telling me that I'm victorious. So I got to strike the ground five, six, seven. One more time. 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 I'm going to strike until I win. I'm going to pray until I win. I'm going to strike until my enemies know my name. I'm going to strike until the altars in my family begin to break. I'm going to strike the ground until I break every single curse off of my life. I'm striking the ground until I win because the Bible says that if you struck the ground more times you would have had more victory I pray for you right now may you step into your season of victory as you strike the ground what God is going to do is he's going to cause your enemies to fall before you as you strike the ground God will begin to open up your destiny and open up your life and open up your marriage and open up jobs and open up breakthrough the Lord says strike the ground don't get weary don't get lazy don't get tired don't break down tell yourself on the inside that I got one more I got one more touch your neighbor say you got one more you Touch another neighbor, say, you got one more, you got... Strike the ground, strike the ground, strike the ground, strike the ground, and don't stop. I want you prophetically, I want you to strike the ground, 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 strike the ground. As you strike the ground, oh my goodness, it's about to open up, opening up, opening up breakthroughs, opening up miracles, opening up good things opening up good news strike the ground I trust God enough to strike the ground over and over and over and over and I won't get tired when I strike the ground God strikes my enemies oh my god when I strike the ground God strikes my enemies when I strike the ground God opens up doors of breakthrough I'm gonna strike the ground Oh! I'm striking the ground. The Bible says that the king stopped, but tonight we're not stopping until God makes us great in this land. I'm not stopping. Until God gives me my marriage, I'm not stopping. Until God gives me my dream job, I'm not stopping. Until God blesses me, I'm not stopping. Until God heals my mom, I'm not stopping. Until my, until God heals my dad, I'm not stopping. Until God does something, I'm not stopping. Because I need a miracle, but the miracle depends on my hunger. Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAFE to 817-381-5353. 
Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.